Welcome to episode 31 of The Teacher's Promise. I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and I'm proud to celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the inspiring stories of compassionate professionals. This episode, we will be discussing online instruction with some dedicated people who provide one option of high quality education for students who choose to learn from home or on the road. There are many reasons students and their families decide to join Destinations Career Academy, but they all end up in the same place, a dynamic, student-focused school that meets their unique needs. We will be discussing the pros and cons of online teaching and learning with Jen Wegner, Destinations Career Academy principal, and Bill Brazier, a business pathway instructor whose wife teaches and both kids attend the online school. So he really sees multiple sides of the issue. This online school is not like what we experienced during COVID, but they certainly know more about this topic than I do. So let's go ahead and hear from them. Well, this week we have a couple of wonderful guests from the Destinations Career Academy, uh, a wonderful online school um, that serves students all over the state of Wisconsin. And uh, you know, we're going to dig deep into this idea of online instruction uh, and education by choice. Um, so I'd love to welcome Jen Wegner and Bill Brazier uh, to the show. Uh, Jen, why don't you get us started and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you wound up at Destinations Career Academy, uh, DCA, and uh, you know your educational journey. Excellent. Well, I am Jen Wigner. I am the principal for Destinations Career Academy. I have only been with the school now. This is my third full school year. And I really landed here after doing a lot of reflection, uh, figuring out what it is that I want to do with my, my educational career. I actually never thought I would land as a principal, but I think this role was actually made for me and the experiences that I bring um, to a school like Destinations Career Academy. I was a classroom teacher in a brick and mortar school for 16 years. I've worked for the Department of Public Instruction for six. Uh, I worked with the Madison Metropolitan School District in a number of capacities for almost 10 years and also worked out in business and industry. And what I love about this particular position is it allows me to bring a number of the skills and the knowledge from almost every one of those opportunities to this particular role to help to grow our school and to grow the opportunities for students within our school. Wow, that's great. So you have a, a wide variety of, of experiences that, that help you be a good leader. I try. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What about you, Bill? How did you wind up at Destinations Career Academy or DCA? Yes, thank you, Brett. Uh, my name is Bill Brazier. Uh, I'm a business pathway teacher here at uh, Destinations Career Academy. I've been in education for 12 years. Uh, prior to that, I worked in the business world uh, in various capacities. I definitely enjoyed, loved uh, that work in the business world, but uh, there came a point uh, where I wanted uh, an opportunity that was more self-fulfilling, uh, that allowed me to work with students and be an active participant in their educational journey. Uh, so um, I went back to school and uh, got my teaching certification, uh, grades one through eight, and uh, yeah, laterly uh, received my master's of education. Uh, and then uh, uh, here at Destinations uh, Career Academy, uh, there was a business opportunity, went back to school, 
uh, and received my business teaching certification for K through 12. And uh, I am living the dream, uh, definitely uh, working with the students here at the school. Yeah. And, and uh, you have a couple of kids or one or one or two kids that actually attend uh, DCA. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Both of uh, my wife and I are children, uh, Abby, a uh, 12th grader and Billy, a 10th grader, both attend Destinations Career Academy. Uh, and uh, uh, what sets uh, the school apart uh, for them uh, is the academic rigor uh, and, uh, you know, just the love and thirst that their teachers have for uh, learning. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to that later because I'm really curious to hear about, um, you know, the students' experience. Uh, and I mean, it'd be great if they could join us too, but I didn't <laughs> I didn't have enough foresight to ask about that, but this is probably better. But I, I'm really glad to hear that uh, you are a parent of students that are attending the school because we'll get a little bit of feedback there. Um, th- this podcast started and focused mainly last year on the issue of compassion and, and um, the teacher's promise um, focus on compassionate education and how that compassion helps educators uh, enjoy their life more and uh, cultivate their uh, happiness. What role does compassion or kindness play in your work? And from now on, when I ask these questions, please, whoever feels like jumping in first, just jump in. Um, so what, what, what role does compassion play at DCA? Bill, I'm actually going to have you get started with this one. Yeah, sure. Most definitely. Uh, for me, I would say compassion and kindness uh, really play into uh, the work that I do. It's uh, getting into education. Uh, it was very important for me to treat every student with dignity and respect. And I, I believe so much in that. Uh, and I believe it's very important for uh, teachers, myself, to create a harmonious, uh, non-threatening environment in the classroom where students feel safe and are willing to take a chance, uh, whether it be in an English class or, uh, you know, in one of the business classes that I that I teach, uh, taking a chance and uh, sharing and reflecting on whatever it is, uh, the topic be at hand. And my hope as a teacher is by setting the example as a teacher of bringing these expectations into our classroom norms, the goal is to have the class uh, that is compassionate uh, and kind uh, and uh, really a safe environment for uh, students uh, to share uh, their thoughts. Uh, a lot of times, as I'll say in the classroom, uh, we are a wonderful learning community uh, and having compassion, kindness, and that positive intent uh, is so important. And it's just wonderful as an educator to see the uh, student buy-in um, and uh, you know, just watch the whole class grow as a whole. Yeah, there's no doubt students are much more likely to learn if they feel comfortable, if they feel cared for, if they trust the environment. Um, so that's that's uh, foundational, wonderful stuff. It sounds like you're doing, Bill. Well, and that starts in our classrooms, but it doesn't end there. There are great experiences for all students at Destinations Career Academy, but it really does start with each student's story and meeting them where they are. And there isn't a parent out there that doesn't want something for their their child, something better for their child um, than potentially they've had or they've been able to provide them to date. And I think that's one of the, the greatest benefits of this, the staff that we have at DCA right now um, is that 
there isn't one teacher that isn't going out of their way to meet a child where they are at, to find out who they are, why they chose DCA, why brick and mortar may or may not have been working for them, what they want to accomplish in their world, um, what they want to accomplish today and in their future, to be able to find those those opportunities to really expand um, their horizons it does really take a special educator to get to know their students and to really dig deep, but to not only work with the students, but to work with the families as well. And that, I guess that's the one thing that I am so proud of the staff that we have is that there, when we talk about kids as far as next steps and, and how to, to function in this space with our student population, everyone is all in. I've tried this. I've tried that. What about, you know, does somebody else have a connection? Let's make sure that we're surrounding the student. And we get great feedback from our families about how much our, our staff really care about mm-hmm. kids. And it has to start. It has to start there. Yeah. So correct me if I misheard, but I think you both said that you taught in brick and mortar um, classrooms before, and now you're educating uh, online. Does, do you think it's more challenging to develop trust with students who might be reluctant to do that online or is it easier for some reason? I actually think that um, based on the conversations I've had with many of my staff is that they would have thought they would have had less than relationships, you know, relationships that were just different or not quite as deep as with their students in brick and mortar because most of my teaching staff have taught before that and, and but they're really surprised at the depth of the relationships that they can build with students, even virtually. And in many cases, we don't get to see kids' faces until they show up for our face-to-face graduation. Um, and so it, it's really amazing how much those relationships can happen, and particularly when you take away the potential bias because it's not about what a student looks like. Um, or what they sound like in some cases, you it takes away that bias and you're just trying to get to know the student to help them and to prepare them for the next steps. Yeah. So you don't, uh, the kids don't have a consistent um, screen time. I mean, the teachers don't see the kids' faces consistently or that's not required? It's not required. There yeah. are students that are on screen and on mic on a regular basis. Okay. Um, and we do have students that, um, for a variety of reasons, are not going to be on mic and on camera in a classroom situation, but they might be with a teacher one-on-one or in Got a it. small group capacity. We want to make sure that, again, it's about meeting kids where they are and, and what their particular set of circumstances will allow. Sure. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, Jen, I really like what you said about, you know, the developed relationships with the students, and I could not agree more. Um, and also those those unbelievable relationships with uh, the families, the learning coaches uh, on that journey, uh, looking at their students' success as well. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Um, it d- there does seem to be different types of opportunities. I didn't mind at all teaching online when we had to for COVID. Um, I appreciated the variety and the options and choices. So I'm glad to hear that the students have a lot of choices and that it works well. Um, so I often ask guests why sh- people should become educators today, but I'm going to put a little spin on it with you and ask why should people become online educators today? 
I really think we're at the cusp of what education is going to look like in 10 or 15 years. There are many uh, computer uh, virtual online options that schools are already taking advantage of to fill gaps for their students. As a matter of fact, Destinations is one of those resources that many school districts are currently utilizing to fill gaps where they may have lost a teacher or lost a program uh, or just need something that they're unable to provide in a, in a small district. But at the same token, we're able to create an educational system that still meets kids where they are, but allows a lot more flexibility. We have students that are national level athletes that travel the country competing and preparing to compete every day. They can't be in a brick and mortar school, but they can do virtual online. We have a number of students that have been bullied in brick and mortar and have Um, are potentially also dealing with um, physical or um, we we have a student that just recently um, was diagnosed with cancer um, and has been able to seamlessly continue their education because they were they were going to go to school here while you know also now taking on the the need for chemotherapy like three hours away from home and again that's a set of circumstances that this particular student and family would have had to potentially stop schooling And so the flexibility that is provided in virtual online learning um, and we have, it's amazing just like the connections that the kids will be able to make to the curriculum, to um, our teachers and to each other. That is is something that you can't um, always replicate and you'd think it was easier in a brick and mortar, Um, but for some students it's not. And sometimes it's circumstances, but other times it's, it's really about, uh, just uh, the needs that each student have, and we're one of the options that are out there for kids. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about traveling athletes, and you know, I, I've known for a long time that there are some serious athletes taking a different path. But uh, that, that's an interesting twist. It's, I'm glad they have Destination Career, Destinations Career Academy. I would say for, uh, you know, uh, why should people become online educators? Uh, I don't think we've seen anything yet. I believe this is just, we're, we're just on the tip of the iceberg as far as the growth. Um, and this type of education is the right fit, uh, definitely, uh, for so, so many uh, of our students. Uh, I know it's definitely the right fit for me as an educator. Um, I also believe, you know, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to make an impact and be part of students' lives. Um, we were talking a little bit before about, you know, that uh, uh, th- those real strong relationships uh, that are developed uh, in the online environment. And uh, the, the neat part is, you know, really, uh, like Jen said, is really meeting these students uh, where they're at in their educational journey. Um, for my daughter, uh, if I could speak of her, uh, she uh, uh, takes part in our flexible uh, schedule here at DCA uh, with Class Connects, online Class Connects. That's where teachers really enhance the K-12 uh, curriculum uh, and, and teach it. Um, so Tuesdays and Thursdays, she's able to attend those uh, live teacher-led class connects. Uh, and uh, Monday and Wednesday and Friday, she can work on homework. My daughter, a 12th grader, Wednesday and Friday, she goes to flight school. So she's out of the house and leaves at 10 in the uh, morning and uh, gets back at about 3, 4 uh, in the afternoon. So uh uh, for my daughter, it is just a beautiful uh, offer of flexibility uh, 
and also uh, a great flexibility uh, for uh, teachers in an online environment as well. Uh, I know last year uh, my family was able to uh, go off to uh, Florida uh, at the end of January, and uh, if the computer can get there, uh, so so can we teach a class? Yeah, yeah. I think my son would have liked something like this. Um, he liked his friends at school. He's really smart, but he was bored a lot. And um, I don't think that's the school's fault. I think it's it was his um, situation. But he he told us after that he was often bored. He he got really good grades. I just think he probably could have done more with his educational time if he had some more control. Um, that's sort of just the way he learns, though. Well, yeah. and I think that that's true of a lot of students, though, Brett. I don't think that's just the the students that are, you know, bored and, and need a, a different kind of challenge. I think it's um, even students that are are struggling um, with, with school and, and need some more support. But with an online environment, we can leverage a variety of other platforms and experiences that sometimes brick and mortars are unable to provide, um, like Bill's daughter um, being able to do flight school at the same time as she's taking a full load at high school. Um, you know, so it's it. There's just a lot of opportunity out there that we are helping students to pull together just like brick and mortars do. But I think we also have, you know, just a few other opportunities because we're not locked into students being in a seat um, eight hours a day. Yeah. And so one of the stereotypes or assumptions, I'm not sure which phrase is best or which word is best um, about online schooling is that it results in a lower level of skill development or, um, you know, the kinds of things that'll be measured on the ACT or something like that. It, first of all, I mean, is that true? And if if not, or you know, how, how does an online situation compare to a school situation for skills, skill development, test prep, that kind of stuff? Oh, that's absolutely incorrect. Um, and I'd love to speak to that. First and foremost, skill development, I think we actually do it better. Um, part of the reason for that is we're really focused. We're not we're not teaching five days a week, but we are still getting through content and, and ensuring that students are, are gaining the knowledge, skills, and dispositions that are needed for um, next steps in their, in their lives. But because of the fact that we um, are so focused and leveraging the time differently, so although we're not teaching um, to a whole group of students um, every day, there is work that's being done every day, but then our, our teachers are available to students five days a week to support them. Um, to take their learning um, to a deeper level. And so then those students that um, are in need of additional supports can get that, but then those students that are able to, to go faster or need a different kind of challenge are also getting that. Um, so our students are doing just as well as uh, we'll call them brick and mortar students in, on the ACT and other standardized tests. And in some cases where students may not have um, been successful in their brick and mortar, they're finding success with us because it's different, it's more focused, um, and it's also contextualized through our pathway work that they're learning in a way that there is an interest level. And we're talking about um, how we do things from the perspective of, a, of being a potential nurse or being a potential operating engineer, and how are we going to use these knowledge and skills. And so kids get... A, really connected to the learning because they know that they'll use it again. Yeah. When I, when I read up on your school and learned 
uh, some more about it. I really like that idea, this this pathways idea. It's almost like a, a merging of not tracking, but um, you know, emerging of this, this, the standards, the skills, the things that kids need to succeed in college and career with some path that gives them direction. You know, kind of, it sounded a little bit more like what they do in Germany, but I'm not 100 percent sure of that. But I really like that idea that that kids are heading someplace and they get to choose. That's that's a cool way to do it. Well, and the pathways are not like a life sentence. Is is the we the way we like to say it? It's it's really about finding out what you want to do or finding out what you don't want to do. And students can change pathways. So they might start in our agriculture pathway and go, yeah, no, that's nope, decided that's not what I want to do, and that's okay. Then they can switch their pathway and try something different. But all of the knowledge, skills, and dispositions, or even the contextualization that's happening in every one of our pathways, there's nothing that isn't going to benefit a consumer either. So even in our healthcare pathway or health sciences pathway, um, just being able to learn about the variety of types of doctors and and how to advocate for yourself as a patient and um, just how to keep yourself healthy and well are really great outcomes, even if you decide that you don't want to do something in a health sciences related field, you're going to take away those skills for yourself um, for a consumer perspective. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, I would say for myself as a uh, as a teacher, uh, you know, skill development. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, you know uh, the availability of our schedule. Uh, you know, just a, a plethora of uh, you know uh, times when we can meet uh, with the students, and that's exactly uh, what I do uh, today. Uh, being Wednesday, uh, eight o'clock in the morning, I was able to uh, meet with a student. Uh, we were able to uh, talk a little bit about uh, some co- questions uh, that the student had about uh, Microsoft. And uh, it, it was just the student and I uh, in a one-on-one class connect. Uh, we met from 8 o'clock until 8.45. Uh, the student left um, uh, with an awareness and an understanding of, uh, you know, the skills that we spoke of. And, you know, one of the neat things as well as with some of these uh, one-on-one interactions with students, um, you know, they're, they're very upfront and honest. Uh, if, if there's a, uh, uh, a gap, uh, a learning gap uh, where they're not understanding something. Uh, and the neat thing is to really, uh, you know, hone in on uh, the transferable skills and uh, not only, you know, making sure that the curriculum uh, is being understood, those skills, uh, but also uh, helping in developing, you know, a student's transferable skills and really, uh, you know, meeting them where they're at. Um, if, if it's uh, something that uh, could be a, uh, uh, a challenge for a student, maybe to, uh, uh, you know, public speak, you know, trying to, uh, you know, create that safe environment, maybe working with the learning coach, maybe having something that the student, uh, you know, presents later on in the semester. Or, or maybe it's that student that, you know, has really already developed that skill of public speaking. Uh, you know, maybe having uh, that student uh, in a breakout room uh, when we have class connects, uh, being a group leader uh, and really putting those skills, those uh, transferable skills to work. Yeah. So is DCA a project-based learning path? Yes. Uh, can you tell us Simple a little answer. bit about that? Yeah, it's a good, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit how that works um, for students, say, from a student's perspective? I'm going to have Bill take this one. 
Yeah, sure, most definitely. Uh, Project-based learning uh, is is such a, a wonderful thing uh, that's uh, you know really built right in uh, to our curriculum, our K-12 stride curriculum. Uh, if I could use the example uh, of one of our uh, uh, classes, a computer literacy course that I teach, um, uh, one of the objectives is to use and uh, become aware of the functionality of Microsoft Word. Um, and, you know, uh, not only being aware of the functionality of Microsoft Word, uh, but those skills that the students can definitely uh, develop as far as collaboration. Uh, that's that's so so important. That communication, uh, those critical thinking skills uh, that those students are uh, uh, reflecting on, as well as the creativity. So, for example, project-based learning. Um, uh, we were to make a flyer. Uh, we had some guidance from K twelve uh, to make a flyer for a humane society. Um, uh, some students chose. That's the way they wanted to take that project. Some of the students worked in a group uh, with other students. Some students worked individually. Um, and, you know, the one thing as well as so many of the, the teachers do here um, at Destinations Career Academy is, is kind of make, uh, you know, some of these projects, if you will, open-ended. You know, we're, what, what is relevant to the student? What is the student interested in? Um, so some of, a lot of those students didn't do projects um, according to our K-12 curriculum is that, hum, um, that Humane Society flyer. Uh, they did things that were of interest to them, uh, whether it be maybe somebody's interested in cosmetology, uh, making a flyer about, uh, you know, cosmetology, you know, and including all of the different aspects um, that our curriculum is asking the student to include. Uh, showing their knowledge and demonstration of uh, Microsoft Word. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of project-based learning. I, I try to integrate it into my classrooms, although our school is not primarily a project-based learning, but you know the it's open to uh, teachers doing mini projects and things like that. So, But I'm, I'm glad to hear it's working well there. Um, now, you both have spoken eloquently and wonderfully on DCA and online instruction. Can you give us maybe some of the cons, both for the educators and for the students? What are some of the downfalls of, of uh, the online learning system for people who have chosen to do it? I think one of the cons can can be that it may not be quite right for a particular student or their set of circumstances. And in sometimes those cases, we do have to help them to find a better schooling option. Um, I think that's a also a negative from the education, uh, the educator's perspective, because we do want this to be successful and we want to be the right choice for every student, but sometimes we're not. Sometimes online and virtual is, is not something that every student is ready for. Um, but I also believe that what we can provide from an online perspective is going to mirror uh, what students are going to see as adults at the technical college or the university level. All of the universities and colleges now have online learning systems that they deliver much of their content through the same way that we do. And so it's never a bad experience for students to try it on for size, but it, they may not be ready for it yet. And then we have to, to help them to um, you know, find a better option for them at that particular point. And sometimes it's hard for our teachers as well. I think the Another con is is just the 
you have to be a little bit dedicated to this work. Um, we're going to, we're going to definitely follow kids and we're going to be there to support them. And we're going to make sure that there's a safe landing for them when they're ready. Um, but to find their way to be a little bit more independent. Um, yes, we still do um, remind kids when they've got overdue work and things like that, but it's, it's just different. They have to be a little bit independent as well. And their learning coach or their family members at home, um, hopefully are also supporting um, this particular work. I've been really lucky to hire phenomenal staff that I haven't seen a lot of the cons um, of potentially losing a staff member because this wasn't quite for them. Um, I've, I, I think it's just a matter of we hire very, very well, but we, we, we kind of dig in with staff members to know what their, um, what their interests are and how they want to benefit students. And um, the biggest con is just really all of our platforms and things too. And, and the technology, you've got to be willing to, to dig into the technology and learn it and uh, be able to turn it upside down and, and uh, make sure kids can also access it. I think that's probably one of the bigger cons from, from a teacher's perspective. Um, Bill's probably the best one to answer that. Yeah, I would say uh, one of the cons that I see uh, for students uh, first coming into the school would be the, the time management. Um, when, they're, when they're taking part in their uh, schooling here, there's no bells and whistles going off. Uh, they really have to have that independence. Um, but it is a beautiful journey to watch them uh, develop uh, that skill of uh, time management. And uh, whether that goes to, you know, the, the four E's of the enrollment, if they're uh, going to go off to college, what, what a great uh, head start they have uh, in that journey uh, after school or tech school. Uh, enlistment, some of our students uh, go off to the uh, militaries and what a great um, uh, skill in time management that's uh, being developed. Uh, employment, you know, th th these all hit right to so many of the teachers' classroom norms here at the school. Uh, that there's expectations there with time management for employment um, and, uh, you know, exploration. So uh, it, it definitely, uh, time management uh, can be one of those cons, but it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to, uh, you know, see the students uh, develop uh, and uh, get better at that. Uh, one other thing I would say is, you know, and this is just kind of on a, uh, on a family note here, uh, I know one of the uh, factors, as I said earlier, for um, our two children, my wife and I, uh, Abby and Billy, uh, joining the schools, uh, was the academic rigor. Uh, that's, that's why they wanted to stay here uh, with uh, Destinations Career Academy. Um, it was a little hard decision because one of the cons are uh, the athletics. Um, uh, most resident school districts do not allow students that live within the district uh, to participate in high school sports. Um, I, I know my uh, son, a uh, baseball player, uh, did a lot of uh, uh, pitching, pitching, playing shortstop uh, uh, while he was, uh, you know, going up the ranks uh, uh, in his K-12 education. But then at high school, uh, you know, there's that kind of ceiling, if you will, uh, that now stands out there um, for uh, you know, with some of the resident districts. I know for my daughter, uh, she played basketball, um, but uh, it, it would be neat to see, uh, you know, students that attend this type of environment still be able to uh, take advantage of some of those uh, uh, those sport opportunities within their districts. Yeah. I'm surprised that, 
I'm so I'm, I I understand. I can imagine the reasons why, but it surprises me a little bit that, that perhaps some some people haven't fought for that right to participate in sports. But um, I don't surprised. know all the complexities. Yeah. No, there's some legislation proposals that are out there that can help in this particular arena. Um, you really have to equate it to being a homeschooled student, right? This is right. Um, this is kind of like being homeschooled, um, and a homeschool student can participate in the local resident school district's athletics. Um, so there, there is some advocates for um, not just DCA um, and our sister schools, but um, there's over a hundred charter schools now in the state of Wisconsin. And so this impacts a lot of students um, that we would love to be able to see still have those opportunities if they would like them. Do, do either of you know, like the main reason, is it because of the money, because the schools don't get the state funds? Um, is that, In all is that honesty, why? I don't know. I don't know yeah. the rationale there. I think actually the, the main reason originally was, was likely around stacking the deck a little bit. Um, yeah. But as long as you have to stay within your resident school district, um, although all of our students, because we're authorized by the McFarland School District, is technically all of our students across the state are McFarland School District students, technically. Right. Um, but you can't participate in McFarland's um, basketball team if you live in La Crosse or Superior. So, um, you know, that's a that's a non you know, it's, it's really a non-entity or, you know, it's not the, the main issue. And I think that there's just a lot of misnomers around that possibility when you're talking about a, a virtual charter school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think that would um, at least be challenged as you just said it is, I mean, soon, because um, it, it seems more like the homeschool situation, but um, so we're getting closer to the end of this episode. Um what advice or support would you like to share with other educators? And this can be uh, non-online educators, things you want to tell them, um, or people who are maybe considering becoming uh, online educators. Well, I, I think the the biggest thing I'd say if you have an interest in being an online educator is jump, do it. Um, you'll never have a better opportunity to see um, what this is like until you actually do it. You can look at look at this from the outside um, in and never really experience it. And even uh, the opportunities that most educators in the state of Wisconsin had during COVID, I would say it's not exactly even that. Many, many uh, educators will interview and say, well, I've, I've done online teaching. I did it during COVID, but doing it for a period of time, but doing it perpetually is very different. And a lot of school districts during COVID, it was, um, dare I say, a less than experience, right? Because everybody was kind of doing it on the fly, not exactly sure, nothing was prepared. Um, the good news during COVID for all of the students at DCA and our sister schools is that it was it basically status quo, nothing changed. We still were able to keep the level of rigor, the number, you know, the amount of skills, knowledge, and dispositions that were transferred to students. Nothing was a less than experience. And I think that there's a lot to be said for being an online educator. And, and although I'm in a principal position, I, I am impacting students' lives every single day. And it's it's palpable um, when parents call and they're in tears because somebody is finally making a difference with their student when um, no place else that they've ever been is, has been able to make that difference. We've been able to do that. And I, those conversations are just so poignant for us. Uh, you have to try it to, to actually know the impact. 
So I would say jump and happy to talk to anybody who's interested in this type of, um, this type of work. Yeah. So is it destinationscareeracademy.com to, to contact you? Uh, it's actually uh, DCA, uh, uh, com, okay. um, And all of my contact information is on the site. Great. What about you, Bill? What advice would you share? Advice with uh, educators or up and coming educators, uh, be an active participant uh, along with the students. Uh, it definitely makes it so, so enjoyable. Uh, celebrating the small steps um, with the students and their families, uh, being a cheerleader uh, for the student. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, being a compassionate listener uh, to the student and families. Um, I, I find that to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, such a, uh, if you will, such an easy task to do, but it's so, so important to really just uh, be a good listener, let the families, let the student talk. And, uh, you know, really, as we've said, you know, meeting the student where they're at. Um, if, if we're doing a lesson in business and maybe it's going through math, uh, you know, we, we may have to take a, a couple steps back. So there's an understanding uh, of some different concepts, but meeting the student where they're at. And most importantly, uh, definitely enjoying the journey of an educator. Uh, it is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, it, it definitely does sound like a wonderful thing at your school. Um, anything else you want to share that I didn't ask or we didn't get to? Any topics at all that you'd really want people to know about? I think that's the toughest question you've asked, Brett. <laughs> I, I could talk for hours about DCA. I think um, we have a wonderful offering for um, students and educators alike. Um, and I again, I think it's just about you know trying trying it out. But people just don't um, always, you know, want to take that leap of faith because it is it's it's different. It's a change, but it's so worth it on the other side. It's so worth it. Yeah. We definitely have a differentiated approach and uh, uh, so many families are uh, so thankful uh, that this is a schooling option in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I bet they are. Um, I'm glad it's an option too, because there's certainly a lot of kids that um, that don't like being in brick and mortar schools and would love to have a lot of that anxiety relieved. So um, thank you very much for what you do. And this is the part of the show I love the most when I get to thank the educators. Um, so Bill, thank you very much for giving kids these chances, giving them chances to grow and to change and to uh, connect with them. And thank you for creating a safe environment and leaving the business world where I'm assuming you got paid a little bit more and coming over to the education field because we really need dedicated uh, people like you. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for creating an atmosphere where people um, uh, can expect to be heard, that listening is so important and for ce celebrating the small steps and advocating that for other people. And Jen, thank you for uh, noticing each kid's story for uh, really looking for the positive and envisioning a different future for them by um, helping to nurture and create these pathways and offering a, a different option. Thank you for fighting for all kids and for leading this transform transformational change in our society that uh, really is needed and going to improve public education in America. Um, for everyone. So thank you for all you do. Thank you for being on the show. And thank you for being educators. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Yep.
What a great option for our kids. This school and these educators clearly focus on meeting the needs of specific students. And although most kids probably need a brick and mortar experience, that doesn't mean all kids do. So special thanks again to Jen and Bill for joining me and for sharing their wonderful perspective on their school. And thanks again to you for listening. Please remember to visit HansenEducationServices.com to learn more about our classes, services, publications, or to sign up for our newsletter. And please join us again next time when I provide an update on the teacher shortage situation and how it's changed in the last year. In order to fix this difficult situation, we need to understand the what's and why's today and at least plant some seeds with possible solutions. Finally, please remember that you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. And sometimes that means tackling difficult issues and making difficult decisions. Your health and happiness are important too. Until next time.